Good afternoon and uh, welcome to Sunday Sessions. This is the 21st of March, 2021. And this is our first birthday of online Karakori Sunday Sessions. Well, thank you very much for joining me here. It's our weekly time of exploring nature-centered folklore, of uh, the she, water, and tree folklore, and connecting this to your favorite tree sanctuary or any outdoor sanctuary space, and expressing your inspired visions from your sanctuary through your poetry, writing, art, craft, performance, and even problem solving. Now, today's Sunday session is the third of our tree-themed sessions of March, and for our first birthday of online Sunday sessions, because this is our first birthday, and it's also Poetry Day, World Poetry Day, uh, we return to us and trees, what can we do? Now, guests today, uh, we've got just the one guest uh, today, uh, John Crossan. He hasn't arrived in the uh, green room in the uh, backstage yet, so I hope he can find his way here, because he's not an internet man, and I'll explain why later, uh, shortly. But he, John, is a fascinating tree and woodland education and planting project person. Um, very nomadic, and uh, has operated in Ireland for incredible number of years. Uh, we were going to have Elizabeth Flynn, uh, who told me a wonderful uh, tree and fox story, but she couldn't get to us today, so I think we'll have Elizabeth next Sunday, which would be fabulous. But the topics today include uh, how much uh, woodland is needed uh, per person. I think you might uh, uh, enjoy that. And creating a passion for woodlands. And we've got forest education for all, and uh, hopefully John will help us out a lot with that. It's fabulous work, what he's doing, but uh, should he not find his way here. I've got a backup plan. Uh, following a green prescription, I think uh, this is something just about everybody can relate to. And uh, on top of that, uh, very important, and I'll be concluding with this as well, the small, oh, there's John coming up. Great. Uh, small actions that become eco-wonders. There's, there's the basics, food foresting, food tourism, and healthier land and people as an outcome. And of course, we'll have a panel session. And there's John in the background. I'll, I'll say hello to him in a minute. There's hello, John. Uh, we'll say we'll come back to you in a minute. Good to see you here. Hello. Hello. Oh, I should get my headphones on. Uh, so um, anyway, yeah, the panel with John. Uh, you can ask me and especially him questions uh, and get some answers. Uh, but first, uh, this is the part I love to see who's arriving and say hello uh, to who is here, who's managed to come out of the garden. There's uh, Sherry. Uh, good morning, John. I see there's uh, a bunch of you here, but uh, Sherry's the one that's commenting. So it's lovely. Yeah, oh, Robin uh, from Texas. Lovely to have you on board here. Fantastic. Uh, I trust you'll enjoy the show. It's fascinating. There's been quite a bit of uh, chat about this. Uh, but uh, as a teaser, I'd like to share, I talked about John Cronin, and I hope you don't mind, this is a 
a bit of a surprise. It's a video clip of uh, John and his happy band of tree walk people. Uh, and this will give you a flair of what he does. Uh, if I can track the video down, uh, you should have fun with this. Yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done, for sure. We walk through here, you know, this is a very unforested area, you know, so there's a lack of trees, even we have to really kind of pick our campsites very carefully, even to try and find somewhere where there's enough firewood to burn for us for a night, you know, so that's saying something. And this area would have been forested as much as any other place. So this is, you know, it feels like, although it's a hard place to camp and a hard place to travel through in that way, it's a very important place for the tree walk to be, because it really needs it here. Trees are a major majorly important in the world. There's so much that they do for us and uh, we nearly forget about it until you stop and think about it. Everything that we have, like trees, can provide and have before in the past, whether it's they just discovered new roadways in the bogs that were made from the oak. To, you know, everything, chariots, wheels. Today you make charcoal, you make furniture, instruments, medicines, dyes. Just so many things, it's abundance. Well, I hope you enjoyed that bit of a tease and I look forward to, we'll be talking to John very shortly. But now on to uh, the topics of the afternoon and certainly the things that people think about uh, with the earth is the pain, the polluting, the burning. And uh, with our planet uh, generally, the, we need better care. And uh, through this, the people thinking, what can we do? How can we actually repair the world? And the idea of this uh, trees and us, what can we do? is really what can you actually do within even less than a kilometer of where you live immediately in your garden if you've got one. And uh, here's a, a wee list to think about uh, and some of the things that I'll be talking about as well. Um, but how much uh, woodland is needed uh, per person? I got some interesting figures here. Um, Western Forestry Corp, they're in Sligo. They're saying 25% forest cover and definitely not the uh, monoculture. And uh, the EU Commission uh, claims that there's 5.5 million hectares of land in Ireland. So uh, I know there's people watching here from the US and from Britain, uh, but it gives you a, a similar perspective probably from where you live. But over here, 25% uh, tree cover, the Western Cooperative was saying, uh, that's uh, one... Uh, 1,375, it's uh, uh, 1.375 million hectares, which is a lot less than 5.5 million hectares of land the island's got without building. So it's not, it's in our scope, really. And uh, if this, so one of the things we've done here, as I've pointed out quite often, we got those pictures of our tree labyrinth here. And this tree labyrinth is a quarter of an acre. And uh, what we've uh, found, and I'm going to explain to you very shortly about this, is the home of 300 mixed trees because we've got some hazels, we've got willows that are pretty close together. Uh, it's now actually 13 years old. Uh, I put this slide together when they were just over 10 years old. And the oxygen that I found out, and I'm going to reveal where I found this out. There's a lovely website where you can do personal calculations. But the oxygen from this tree labyrinth uh, it could be more than the CO2 output that uh, we create or I create uh, from heat energy in the home and for the little driving that I do out and about as well. Uh, 
but uh, last year when I performed at Austin Trees Sunday sessions, it was only 18 minutes long and uh, it was off the cuff and all I was doing was talking into a phone. <laughs> um, there is an archive over there. And I'd like to encore some minutes of this where I actually explain why it's us and trees. Because after the last session, people were saying, why is it us and trees are not trees and us? And uh, I suggest how much woodland uh, in this, we, uh, that we could all set goals to achieve for ourselves, uh, whether you've got a garden, whether you're in an apartment. I, I try and cover all these. Um, or uh, be part of a community as a volunteer. So here's me. I'm going to take a few minutes off while I replay this. Uh, this is off the cuff, a few minutes I did a few years ago. And this is a bit of technology that I've not used much. Let's see if this works for you. So here is me again. <laughs> Within etiquette, it's an, it sounds less controlling less commanding ah sorry well, from 2012 I'll try and, uh, so much for the technology now let's get rid of me uh, oh dear I to say, i'll try that again and uh, where have i i'll get rid of me and we'll try uh, again into the forests that are already there as public amenities and to visit them enjoy them and we did share poetry but there's a lot of variations on that around the mindfulness and forest bathing and so forth so i suppose that was trees and us but at this festival there were a couple of things that i picked up on that it turned it around it became well what can we do for trees and that was the question that came up now the uh, western forestry co-op they had their kind of uh, main talk i suppose you would say the signature talk forget what the term is but the man who was presenting there one of the things he came up with was how can Ireland actually get towards carbon neutral with more forestry and he threw out a figure that 25% of the country if it was covered with forest and hedges that we would as a country uh, be carbon neutral which I thought was very interesting got the calculator out and that worked out with the current population, about a quarter of an acre per person. And so that, that certainly uh, got my interest because this uh, tree labyrinth garden here is a quarter of an acre. Hmm, uh, there's something in this. I've already achieved the quarter of an acre. How can everyone in the country achieve uh, a stewardship of a quarter of an acre? if they're living in a small garden with a small garden or in an apartment so it's not, i've been doing a lot of thought on that and then there was another lecture there uh, it was called from treechange.ie the woman who put that together uh, she was away on something else so she sent her husband to present it he's a doctor but he did a very good presentation but when i got home i had to look up the website and this was really fascinating on their website, treechange.ie, I have the link on usandtrees.com. You put in all the trees you've got in your garden or on your piece of land, and it does a calculation for you of um, how much uh, carbon is being absorbed. And you also put in the figures for uh, the number of people in your home, the amount of power you're using, and the number of miles that you drive in your car, in your vehicle. Uh, in a year. So I'll put all that in 
And the biggest surprise to me is that this quarter of an acre tree labyrinth, the amount of carbon that it absorbs is actually a little more by their calculations than what I consume in energy in the cottage and from the driving around, which isn't very much. I'm not driving at the moment anyway, so the figures would be better. Anyway, and I thought, well, this really ramps this idea up. How can everyone be involved with a quarter of an acre uh, of woodland? That's a to uh, Some people, ah, I've got plenty of land, I can do that. Some people are already doing it. Some people have got uh, a load of land, and there's been amazing projects in the last... Uh, 10, 20 years where people have grown native trees over their land over as much, two, five, 10, 20, 100 acres. So uh, there's a lot going on there. You've, you've got 100 acres and that's uh, the equivalent of 400 people responsibility. So uh, it is going on, but for a person that's in an apartment, that's not um, very easy. Uh, and I've got suggestions on us and, uh, usandtrees.com of different ways you could be involved in group settings uh, to so yourself as part of the quarter of an acre. Now with this isolation that we have uh, that's going to have to wait a while. But certainly something to think of, something to message about, something to discuss. Now for the rest of this talk, I, I'm not going to go into the science of this or into facts and figures. I, want, I would like to spend a few minutes on the actual passion of being involved with trees, being involved with your own little woodland, your own tree sanctuary. I regard this as a tree sanctuary, doing the Sunday session out in the middle of this live willow cairn, which has a live willow tunnel coming up to it. And it, to me, it's something I seem to naturally do because it's a passion I've had since childhood. And to me, this is as important and as part of my day as preparing a meal and as getting a glass of water. So this is the thing, how can this be part of our nutrition? How can this be part of our hunger? Or that's the equivalent of needing to have a meal and needing to have a glass of water, a drink of water, because this is about our air. It's not just about carbon absorption, it's actually the amount of air produced and one of the things i was very surprised at treechange.ie is this how some species of trees are more useful than i thought they were i always thought it was the oak and ash that were the big carbon um, absorbers and also when they're in leaf for giving out a lot of oxygen but that, we have a lot of alders and hazel here and because alders and hazel are growing close together there's an alder hedge here and they have a longer leafing span than the oak and ash they are also incredibly useful and they can be equal uh, because they can be closer together and the longer leafing span but I'm talking about the passion. How do you actually have that passion? You've got to go out. You need to have stewardship for a quarter of an acre. And there's just one site saying a quarter of an acre. Uh, I just regard this as a target. A lot of people say, where's more facts? Where's more proof? To me, it's just a target. Let's have a target and aim for it. Even if it's eighth of an acre, if a quarter seems too much, it's something. It's a move forward. The thing with passion, and it, this happened with the bards in the woods, it, it was a bit like a diet plan. 
it's something every January people jump onto a diet plan, maybe at the beginning, 1st of January, 2nd of January, and it might last two weeks, and that's the end of it until next January. And this can be, and it has been, approached to people with their gardens, with woods, and when they're actually become in, connected with the rest of nature, get outside, rewilding, gardening, permaculture, whatever they're doing. With it. Several people, unfortunately, it's like that diet plan. It's okay for a few weeks, then leave it alone, go back to our habits. So how can we approach ourselves to extend it so that it's all year round? Because we don't decide, okay, I'm going to have a, a dinner today and then after two weeks, no, can't be bothered with it, I'm not having dinner anymore, I'm not going to drink any water. We wouldn't survive. But in a way, I look at this not only for carbon absorption, but for how do we grow our own air? And it's quite difficult, I think, for me to actually explain that any further. So I highly recommend you look at... Um, usandtrees.com. I will be adding to it, strangely enough, uh, with the isolation going on. I don't know if uh, some of you have found that. You're suddenly becoming far too busy <laughs> uh, doing other things. It's been a great time for creativity. A lot of people are in their gardens. It's a great time still for planting the trees. What space have you got for putting in the trees? And when you've done it, how can you actually sustain that? You, you're not only growing your own uh, fruit and vegetables, growing some flowers for your own ambience, and but growing your trees for your own air. For, uh, it's quite scientific to think, oh, I'm going to go carbon neutral. It is important if we start thinking, what can I do to be carbon neutral? I think we lose the part, plot. Uh, I, it's really how can our passion be part of this? Because there's no other animals out there that's going to go around I think I will uh, have a bit of the fruit here, and I think I will have a shit there, and I think I will do this, that, and the other there, because it's carbon neutral. Animals don't do that, and we don't need to do that. But it's knowing how our passion, how our instinct uh, is there. Right. <laughs> right, I hope you enjoyed me being me there, and uh, give an introduction to the whole thing, as I say, why it's us and trees is how we build our passion how do we connect with the trees and i'm going to move on uh, because we're going to have john very shortly and uh, there is forest education uh, for all and i find personally find the history of forest education very fascinating uh, but i'm going to rush through this uh, the usandtrees.com will have a lot more information uh, and so go and read it there uh, i'll bring up the uh, domain very shortly. Uh, but during the 19th century, uh, that's the earliest I found in education, and I love this, because uh, Wordsworth and John Ruskin, uh, during the 18th, 19th century, they took people uh, into the woods. And then uh, in the start of the 20th century, um, there was Baden-Powell, and uh, he started the Scouts, which was late, mainly woods and forest-based. And about the same time, uh, uh, it is, this is UK examples, but there was Susan Isaacs and Margaret Macmillan, amazing women. They took London children into the forest for education, uh, and that was important. Then I think we can move to 1995, if uh, I'm not stuck here. And uh, 
Oh, we've lost the Bridgewater College. But in 95, the Finthorn Foundation in Scotland, the Bridgewater College in Somerset, they both developed forest school for youngsters and uh, for teens. And uh, then there was the Open College uh, Network Diploma, which was launched in Wales in 2003. Uh, there was a Forest Education Initiative launched in Scotland in 2011. Some characters from that there. Uh, the Forestry Association, Forestry School Association in the UK formed in 2012. And then the Forest School Association of Ireland, which was actually uh, formed not far away from here in Sligo Town, 2016. So not that long ago, but within something like three years, they had 50 forest school groups around the country. And I think it's based in Galway somewhere now. And Northern Ireland then took uh, went on to this as recent as 2018. But forest education uh, is actually becoming integrated into secondary schools in the UK. Uh, this has been happening during the past five years. And this is starting to get entry in Ireland now that the uh, forest school and education is going into Irish schools. The idea they go into the schools and they've got tarmac and they've got lawns. You know, why have you got tarmac and lawns? What can you do with this? How can you turn this into education? And it's fascinating because uh, I've got a son who's uh, uh, doing this as a consultant. It's how to turn this maybe into a little woodland, into uh, some beehives, uh, pollination, those type of things. You know, the fact that the education there is why have a lawn, why have a tarmac? Anyway, that's something in central schools. And it's been uh, taken seriously and regarded as vital as math, science, and literacy. So much, and also on top of that, it's important to reveal that adult education is definitely coming on board. Uh, with, there's Kelt down in Clare, um, East Clare here, uh, but obviously the stuff's being held back now by the COVID. But it, before COVID, it was really getting tra uh, traction, especially with forest school tourism for adults. Um, now, while all this was going on, though, um, you know, I mentioned Hinthorn Foundation, 1999, through the UK, over to Ireland, blah, blah, blah. But there was a lovely nomadic tree and woodland awareness and education group that was traveling around Ireland. I'm going to confirm it with John uh, very shortly. But I think they were up and running by 2000 uh, and, uh, not 2000, by 1995. Uh, maybe before. Anyway, we'll, I'll we'll talk to John about that. Uh, the, but the project's called Tree Walk. And uh, the walk was founded, as I say, by John Cross and wonderful nomadic tree planting and tree education group. And uh, I've, if I can get to the uh, wee pics uh, here. Uh, there we go. Uh, they walk, uh, cycle, push barrows of tree plants around the country and stop at schools and community groups. And uh, they plant trees together uh, and then share stories, poetry, and songs as well. And I believe that uh, Tree Walk has been doing their work uh, for at least 30 years, as they were going to confirm that. But this is what I love. You'll love these pictures. Because when I was uh, reading about Tree Walk going around with horse and carts uh, during the 90s, uh, here's uh, Spencer and uh, Crescent. Uh, uh, with a tree walk, um, nice old photo that, and uh, 
there was a Shetland pony called uh, Marion, uh, meaning dancer. And uh, again, uh, here's, uh, well, this one's actually Morris and Mule on the left, and there's the dancer, Marion the dancer, the Shetland pony on the right there. And uh, here's another lovely one. I gather it's uh, Isson on the left, Isson the Mule, and Zimby uh, the pony on the right there. And uh, this one, let's see if I can say this. And this one here, this is Wee Willy Wheeler, the willow weaver from Wicklow. I got it! <laughs> and he's demonstrating weaving uh, Irish uh, willow baskets. Um, but uh, on their horse and carts and hand carts, not only do these uh, tree walk people uh, carry tree plants, but they also got their tools, their food. Uh, I haven't got the picture. I had a nice picture, but they got their plants, their tools, their food, their clothes, shelter, and their bedding. Uh, absolutely fantastic. And I gather to survive, to pay for their tree plants and the food, it comes from donations, busking, uh, planting work that they do. And through the 90s, uh, I gather actually uh, you could get paid for recycling aluminium cans. So they did that. Very little presence in the social media. And uh, so, really, to share a tree walk, uh, get my earpiece in. There we go. And I'd love, uh, and it's so fabulous, he's been patiently waiting. And here we have uh, John Crossan here. How are you doing there, John? You're hearing loud and clear? Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, you sound uh, great there. Um and I assume you can hear me here okay? I can, yeah. Ah, that's great. Yeah, well, the first thing is give us a few minutes about Tree Walk, explaining the work, especially when you started. You've been around a long time. Yeah, we're like the invisible people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, I always wanted to do something, you know, that would um, help out community, environment, I didn't know what to do, but um, I always loved trees. I was lucky to grow up near trees before they took them out to make houses. And my friends, we always hung around in them. So I always had an appreciation of trees. I think it's deep within us anyway. Um, and then we used to do voluntary uh, can recycling and put the money. We were going to buy an acre of trees, like the way you're saying, a quarter of an acre. We we're going to plant an acre to show that we cared about the environment and trees. And then that turned into a, an idea of to walk around the country with the money we raised instead, buy trees and bring the trees to the people and create a big, huge, I'll show you, a big circle in the country. I don't know if you can see that there. I think you might need so a bit of We did 700 miles the first year. And uh, can you see that? That gives you an idea. Oh, yes, great. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, yes. So we started in Galway and uh, we had the money and we used to, we wanted to plant circles of trees as we went around, but that turned into a big circle or a big acorn, if you want. And, uh, and it was very successful. It was challenging because you're getting something new going that hadn't been done. And, um, you know, you're up against sometimes challenges in weather and how you're perceived in the public. And 
And then when people know what you're doing, they totally get behind you and think this is brilliant. And I mean, you're going back to a time where there was no guard clearance and there wasn't green schools in Ireland. It was only been introduced in the north of Ireland. Um, so the children loved it. Loved this group of people who come from different cultures, different countries, different parts of Ireland to come together to share knowledge and ask the children what they knew about trees and instill a love in nature for them if, they, if we could. Bringing the horses to make it memorable for them. And then I asked them what did they know and then we didn't, we'd, we'd branch out or get further into what trees were good for and create more awareness and hopefully a love for trees. Storytelling, like you were saying, most of the stories will be mythological, mythology stories from Ireland with connections to trees and um, uses of trees. The kids would tell us either make paper or to take make oxygen and we can breathe out or carbon and did know things. Sometimes we'd learn from the children as much as did learn from us and. Then you get into the, the own and each tree having a different meaning and a different use. Like at the moment, we're tapping birch here. So that's birch sap. How oh, brilliant. Sorry. Excellent. I'm going to be it's doing some of that clear. after the show. <laughs> so like the trees give us. Yeah. So you can get like a, I don't know what it is, a litre or so a day from a tree without killing it or overdoing it. So you. There's a lot of things that I think we, we would have done anyway, but we, we discontinue doing it from history and whatever different things happened. And, you know, you're, Ireland being a country that was covered in trees has gone to the bottom of the list in, in Europe anyway of uh, tree cover. And then a lot of the trees that are here are Sitka spruce, causing uh, um, communities to be unhappy with them because they for for much not much like uh, how how have you um uh during this covid time have you been able to do any activity so yourself it's awareness raising the tree walk and then after us maybe people will come along and plant the trees and we we plant the idea and the seed um, continue to do it to this day well, COVID. Um, a little bit, not so much with the COVID because of the, I've been in two schools this year, but it's... Oh, good. The schools were closed up until a few weeks ago, so... And that is the problem, yeah. Half the community would think you were not doing the right things. You don't want to turn off half the people. So, no. so we ha haven't done anything this year. Last year, there was 28 schools, 28. And then we have to help us with funding. So I just mentioned them. Thanks very much. You're shocked. And, um, but um, we still have um, the recycling is continues to this day. Uh, we made a job of that. And the tree walk, yes. So 96, 97, we went all the rivers, made boats ourselves out of canvas that was dumped from a multinational denim factory. Started beside you one day, one year. Um, we've done, done five rivers, and last year we were to do Galway, but I done schools in Roscommon because 
the schools closed last year, so we had to. We're on pause, if you want. Awaiting, uh, awaiting to get word on the schools and see if we can get in. Now, um, oh, what was it? Uh, the adults. Uh, how do you get adults involved? Uh, do you do uh, any? help any projects that adults do when uh, like neighborhoods or just someone has got a bit of land and they get volunteers uh, with the trees. Do you, you get involved with that much as well? Yes. Yes. We, we planted um, a friend was here earlier. They're planting 2,600 native trees this week for a man in um, Roscommon. I think it's Roscommon there. So he's trying to turn it to a nature area. So yeah, well, I, we we plant hedges. We've had a number of uh, uh, like we'd lay areas with kelp there as well, and do hedges for people because there's so much hedges getting ripped up at the moment. So we're trying to mm -hmm. encourage native trees. Play. So and uh, yeah, oh one of the one of the continue things, all the uh, time. I'll be planting trees myself this week. We've planted trees right. here. We've made a little uh, forest of our own. You got a wee forest uh, woodland yourself at home then? There's a woman that I know I was going to meet. Oops. Yeah, a few acres of native woodland, yeah, that we... Ah, brilliant. Uh, oh, lovely. Sometimes come that. here and camp and there's a willow circle and there's a little fireplace in the willow circle. <laughs> and there recently we and we planted a, a triple spiral of hazel. There's a woman, Deirdre Hannon, going around Ireland planting a triple spiral in each county. Oh, uh, we've heard. Peace I've and harmony pictures. in the world. And um, so we planted a circle of holly around that. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, so I, I kind of, if I can, I, I will help. Like, there, my brother's in a school in Gort. So they've, they planted it in the school in Gort there a few days ago. So you try and encourage and, you know, continue to um, help out, see more trees planted, encourage native trees all the time. So sometimes people get upset when they see the trees getting cut and like, what can you do when you plant them this yourself is, uh, and protect the, what you can yourself? You know, if you can. Uh, one of the things certainly encouraging uh, uh, this month is the idea of not being overwhelmed by, and it's awful with, uh, say, the Amazon and uh, Chile and everywhere else where the forests are disappearing. But the, uh, the idea, especially today, is this idea is, well, what have you got around you? What's that little bit, you know? Because there's, sometimes yeah. I feel people try to make issues, but they don't know who their next-door neighbor is. So I, I suppose yeah. turn that round is, uh, how about uh, bringing some tree friends in around you? That's the attitude. And that's why I like love what you're doing, because that's something that you uh, seem to be encouraging, not only planting trees, but bringing about the passion of trees. And... I hope, because uh, we've got a bit of a spotty reception, but it's lovely what you've said so far. And you say, <clears throat> excuse me, you, you do the stories, uh, you do the poetry, 
And as this is uh, World Poetry Day, do you have a poem uh, related to the trees that you can share with us? I'm not sure. Do I? <laughs> I have, um, I have, usually I do stories with the kids. Yeah. I um, I tell them a story about the Om or the Salmon of Knowledge, but I tell them in a way that, you know, it, it brings into, um, it brings into um, brings them into the moment of what happened, you know. Ah, if you can share a couple of minutes. One time we, we were on the river, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll see where this has gone here. Anyway, you can still see me. This computer goes for me. Um. When we were on the river one time, uh, we were unloading the boats, and this man came over to me in the in the car park, and said uh, he was an old man, and I I was at the back of the van. I have a van. I, we had uh, canoes, and he and he was telling me, uh, "You better be careful on that river." You're and oh no, he was asking me, "Are you that fella that goes around planting trees with the children around the country?" I said, "Yeah, I am." Yeah, he said, oh, "I heard about you. Um, you're going on the river. You want to be careful on that river." strange things happen on that river and i said why he said i'm just telling you now strange things happen on the river and um so I, I was busy and i didn't want to be ignorant to him so but i still had to get the boat out and i turned around and he was there and he, he said you better listen now strange things happen on the river so i am um, i went to pull the boat out and then he was gone now we were in a car park where you would have seen people coming or going and i asked uh, my friends who were go going on the river to do, do the tree walk paddle did they see the man nobody seen him nobody knew what i was talking about and he just like he vanished into thin air and nobody seen me talking to him so we decided we better keep uh, people up at night just to keep an eye because sometimes you can have people uh, trying to steal your the little things that you would have which wouldn't be much anyway and um, so we said we better keep people up. So the first night, nothing happened. Then the second night, again, nothing happened. Third night, it was my turn with Delacy, Leo, three of us, kept an eye for the night and kept the fire going. And we were about to, people were starting to kind of wake up and it was getting to be twilight. Sun was about to start rising. And it was kind of that kind of magical time of the morning versus neither day nor night. And it was like there was a veil in between the worlds at that sort of time. And the next thing we heard shouting coming from the river. And the three of us thought, oh, God, typical. Our, our turn would happen something. And um, so we went down to the river and we seen this man up to his waist in the water. And he was roaring at the water. And we didn't know what he was saying. And it took us a minute to realize he wasn't actually speaking English at all. He was speaking Irish. And it was an old dialect. And he was shouting. And he had a big stick in his hand he was throwing it into the water and he was shouting i yo who i'll get you and he was like call to where are you and he kept going on roaring and shouting and the next minute didn't the stick start pulling in his hand and it was pulling and was trying to get out of him and it ended up it was like a big fishing rod and he caught this fish and the fish was going up and down and up and down it went on it seemed like for ages like time was standing still but it was going on so he ends up getting fish and then he shouted over at a, there was a boy there and he shouted over Fionn, come here to Fionn 
And this young boy came, the story is usually longer now than this, but um, the boy came running and he told the boy, now, Carlos aren't chinning, light the fire, cook the fish. I'm going up town. I've been fishing here all, all evening. You cook the fish and you're not to, to burn it and you're not to eat it. Not a bit of it. You're not to eat a bit of it. I'm going up town for a cup of tea and a scone <laughs> and I'll be home. After that, and don't touch it. So the boy then goes to make the fire and he gets his sticks and he sticks them in the ground with two Ys on them and puts uh, gets a stick and puts it through the fish's mouth and down through the other end, puts the fish over the fire, lights the fire using sticks, rubbing the sticks together and eventually gets the fire going. He's his little tinder and he's everything ready and you'd be telling the kids this and you'd have all the little bits with you showing how to light the fire. Kids love this, and it's pure natural to them, like this fire school idea, like we all have it within us. So he lights the fire, but in the excitement of lighting the fire, he forgets that he's bursting to go to the toilet, and he keeps cooking the fish and cooking the fish, and the more the fish gets cooked, the worse he is, and the more bursting he is to go to the toilet, and you can see him nearly doubling over, wanting to go over to the toilet. So eventually the smell of the fish is, oh my God, we were thinking we could eat it ourselves, starve him up all night. And uh, he can't take it anymore and he has to run over and he goes and he, over and he has a pee and he washes his hands and he goes back over and doesn't the, there's a smell of burning from the fish and it starts bubbling up and the fish doesn't even touch his tongue. And the next thing is his tongue and his natural reaction is to put it into his mouth was to come into his mouth to suck, but to cool it down. And the next thing, the heavens open up above us, and this light comes out of the sky, and this beam, if you want, beams down onto him, and he's lifted up off the ground, and his arms are stretched up, and his head is back, and he's lifted up, and this light just goes straight into him. And he's held off the ground by about a foot for about a minute, and this is just like like he's been loaded with all this knowledge and all this energy and everything is going on. It's just like, my God, what's happening? We're looking at it. The next thing, anyway, the light then goes back up and he goes down onto the ground. And the next thing, the man comes back from the town after his cup of tea and he comes over to Fionn. He's like, God, Harla, Fionn, what happened? God, Harla, what happened here? And Fionn keeps his head down. And Fionn won't look at him. And the man says, Tordum de Sul, give me your eyes. Tordum de Sul, lift up your head. And Fionn is afraid and he lifts, keeps his head down. The man tells him three times. There's always three in these stories. He lifts up his eyes and he looks at the man. And the man can see straight away that his eyes have all the wisdom that everywhere or ever was. And he asks some really difficult questions. And Fionn is able to answer all the questions straight away. He asks some really difficult maths questions. He asks him to tell him this really, really long poem. And, of course, Fiona is able to recite it. And there was never, never would he be able to do that before he went up to the town for his cup of tea and his scone. So he comes back anyway, and then the old man who had been fishing tells Fionn, well, the reason I was fishing for this particular fish is because it had all the knowledge of all that is and all, was, all that will be. And all that is, and all that has been, everything, anything you need to know will be in you. And it's better now that you have it. I'm not upset. 
I'm getting old and it's better that you have this knowledge. And that fish got that knowledge, he said, from the hazel. There are nine hazel trees that grow around the pond or the pool where the river flows from. And every so often a hazelnut, a magic hazelnut falls down into this pool, this well, this sacred well, which there are all, at all the rivers in Ireland and um, in all the world, I'm sure. It's the same all over the earth, like all forests covered everywhere. And this fish was cute enough to jump up and take this and off it went with all the knowledge from the hazelnut. So it was the tree has the connection to, or the story has the connection to the trees, which is the hazel, which has a, quite a lot of intuition, associations and knowledge. So it's a magic tree, like a lot of the trees are that grow around us that we would have um, venerated. We would have had sacred trees that we went to pray at. And uh, the hazel, like under Brehan law, you weren't, you wouldn't cut a hazel tree. And now we go around under the laws that we call it now. There's no penalties for cutting trees. It's like it's encouraged. And fair play to you, you're doing a great job there now, tidying up the place, ripping up all them trees. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's like the opposite. We live in an opposite world. Like there's a, I don't know if you call it duality or whatever, but whatever world we live in now, it's doesn't venerate or doesn't seem to appreciate trees. It's venerates to how much you have and how much you can get and how easy you can get it. And fair play to you. You're cute and you got away with that. And, you know, the rewards are strange now. So that's the that's one of the stories that we tell. Well, that's or, that was fantastic. That's, that uh, I love that version of yours there, the um, uh, the salmon of knowledge. That's one of the best I've you heard. Did. So thanks very much for that, John. Uh, yeah. That was great. Yeah, uh, no obviously you don't have a website for the tree walk. Um, when the tree walks are up and running, we do. Uh, but how would we don't know how to get onto it. Yeah. Um. We're. It's word of mouth, a lot of it. I can give you my contact and people can yes. contact me if they want. And um, we do have a website, but we're useless. We don't even we don't even know <laughs> to get onto it ourselves. I'm um, much like that. I'm the Facebook, admit. my daughter. My daughter set up Facebook and on Facebook as in personally, and she's not, but she can't remember the password. So <laughs> I don't know I how you managed to find there. that stuff. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, with a bit of searching, there have been, uh, uh, yeah, I managed to pick up some articles that have been in the media in the newspapers, and that's where I got the photos. So, uh, and it was wow. great to be able to get a, a bit of a picture of, uh, and especially with how you yeah. go around. I think it gave a sense of purpose. So, if you can hold on, John, I got yeah. a few uh, things to go through, but uh, I'm going to ask the people. Think up some questions to ask you, and we'll come back for a bit of panel time in a few minutes. So thanks very much for that, and just stay if you can for a few minutes. Uh, that's absolutely, yeah, absolutely uh, fabulous. Yeah. Right. Okay, uh, that uh, was great. Yes, think up your questions to ask John. We're going to come uh, back to him. Uh, I haven't looked at your comments for a while. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, we got Kate here who's telling us about her planting. Uh, in Iowa, uh, 25 acres, uh, and he start transplanting. That a great project there. Uh, Claire, uh, love John. We've had that there, and uh, some of you did mention about the signal. 
I hope you did get to pick that up. Uh, Sarah's saying hi, Polly. And Sarah, I hope, is going to be back with us next week uh, when we go into the folklore again. Who else we got here? Hi from Rockingham, from Margie. Howard, who we have the odd songs from here, uh, live not far from Findhorn. Um, yeah, I've got family there, Howard, uh, up that way. And uh, three teachers. Uh, sunny Toronto uh, with Maria. And uh, there's... Uh, what we got here, Search of the Miraculous, uh, archived on YouTube. Yeah, we everything gets automatically archived. Sometimes YouTube takes a few minutes because they want to check everything that I'm not uh, indulging into other people's copyrights. So they're, they're quite particular there. Uh, yeah, videos, as I say, they're, they're all, all of them get archived immediately on the Facebook. Uh, they do on the YouTube. They don't on the Twitch, I don't think. Uh, but we don't get many viewers yet from Twitch, but the people we've had, uh, it's mainly Eastern Europe people come through Twitch. And um, Carrick and Shannon with Claire, lovely to see you. Uh, and uh, who else have I got? I'm moving away from the comments here. Um, and uh, it was Claire. I think we got everybody. Congratulations to the stories and guests. I think we're caught up on that. So I'd like to uh, just... Following the green prescription, I mentioned that, and we always bring that up as the main feature on uh, uh, on uh, us and trees. I could probably spend a whole Sunday session on this, and fragments of this does come up on the other Sunday sessions. So you regulars will be quite aware of that. But just to skim over the main points, uh, you'll be familiar with these anyway, but I'd like to be reminded. Uh, there we have breathe good air, physical health improvement, mental health improvement, but then what about this uh, forest bathing? Uh, breathing good air, especially among the trees, the pinings uh, that we can get from the pines, from the evergreens. But uh, the evergreens' uh, benefits, they need to be enhanced by the broadleaf trees. I'm not going to go into the science of that now, but it's so essential for us to have both as our natives. We do lack in the pines a bit. Uh, under a lot of the bogs, there's a lot of stories about the preservations of the bogs. If you dig down into the bogs, you'll find there's a lot of pines, a lot of the blanket bogs that are in Ireland. They were pine forests, just like the Caledonian forest in um, Scotland, which is being uh, replanted and represerved by Trees for Life at Findhorn, is the organization. One of my sons worked uh, for that for a while. But uh, so the, the pines, along with our regular native evergreens, very important. Physical health improvement uh, from walking. A lot of people love to run through forests, don't they? <laughs> it's as if they can't wait to get from one end to another. But uh, physical improvement, definitely from walking and contemplating. Mental health improvement, well, that's linked to that. When we trust the woods, because that was one thing with the bards in the woods, people would say to us that they didn't come in because they were scared of the woods. People have brought, been brought up awfully uh, with a fear of woods. It's a place where the, I, I suppose, the layers, the Anglo-Irish people, the, if you jumped over the fence in the woods to try and get some food, you didn't come back out. And then sometimes even the churches don't put much importance on the trees. So there's a sort of a fear that, and I don't think the I think the handsome Gretel folk tales that type of thing that didn't do much good, did it? So there's this sort of fear and mistrust of the woods, and it's lovely to have a passion for the trees 
in order to take away that fear. It's like uh, some people are scared of cats, but uh, if you have a pet cat, uh, you grow to love cats, that type of thing. So if you have the trees around you, there's that passion. And because as I brought up on other Sunday sessions, uh, we bring up that phrase, that especially in Ireland, and it's really in many countries, um, Scotland's catching up now, but it's, we're like a, a, a tree people without a forest, forest people without a forest, hence the reference to the Orm, reference the Bran laws. Uh, that's where we get our constant. Oh, I've brought this up, I'm not, I better not repeat all that because I do repeat it a lot, but all about that uh, uh, connection. And that's really how our mental health improves when we really trust the woods, it becomes our companion and we found our forest again. And then there's the widespread practice of the Shimran Yoko, uh, the forest bathing is quite a craze right now. Sometimes people charge a fortune to it, don't they? And you've probably, uh, probably got, um, let's see if I can find something that's on that. Health protection and therapy. Um, there we go. Trust our intuition, our senses and instincts. These are things you can do yourself. Don't have to go for an expensive human yoga walk. Uh, let the woodlands culture our imagination. I hope you like the little pictures that's with this. And uh, then this the one as well. In, this is important. When you're in the woods, it's, there's encouragement to learn how to face risk. And this is very important thing with, um, with uh, forest school. Uh, one of the things that's taught about being in the woods there's there's books out articles about how children are very much pampered uh that if a little daughter on your know, uh, gets a graze in the knee you know who can i sue for that uh that one of the things with forest education is learning your balance learning how to be in the woods it's okay to scratch yourself it's okay to even uh, get stung you know, and you get your own sense of balance, you get your own connection, not by becoming fearful, but you know how to respect the things in the woods. You know how to respect yourself. Uh, and uh, so therefore you grasp uh, risk and you understand that risk is part of that connection. Anyway, I could lecture for ages. As I say, we were going to have Elizabeth Flynn. Uh, that was going to be the next guest. She'll have a Fox and Woodland story next week. Um, so small, uh, I think I'll go back to the small actions. There we go. Small actions that become eco wonders uh, that we can do. Uh, food foresting, uh, people, uh, permaculture people, you put the trees in to get your fruit, but don't forget to put uh, some native ones for your little uh, tree sanctuary as well. That's essential for your health. Food, uh, forest tourism, that's huge in Scotland now. And I love the way it's done. It's family businesses. And it doesn't intrude in the forest. It's not a corporate thing uh, that you can actually get to somewhere just outside the wood to pick up a sandwich if you haven't got something. Um, you actually get a cup of tea and a, a sort of real cup. You can bring your own mug along. You can get a map. You might be able to find a guide that will take you in. All these things to assist you even get yourself a proper coat. And so food, uh, forest tourism is growing as a way of getting that connection and all together uh, with a relationship towards healthier land, healthier people. Uh, so let me uh, look at your uh, latest comments, uh, see what you've had. Are you adding uh, questions here when we come back to uh, John? Um, let's see what we got here. 
uh, get back to here. Uh, Mary Dwyer's here. Hello, hello, Mary. Didn't catch uh, what I was saying about the evergreens paired with oaks. What I was really, I was just saying uh, with evergreens, we got a problem with monoculture. We got the Sitka spruce here. Pines, absolutely wonderful, very healthy tree. It's really lovely. You go amongst pines and you get the pinenes, which is the enzymes that comes off of the center pines. You get amongst pine pollen. I know some people, they've got, um, they send them off into hay fever. But if you don't, uh, the nutritional benefit of pine pollen, just shake the, <laughs> you get a cloud of dust from the pine pollen. All this uh, with pine and really with anything that's uh, sort of native, a little bit of the evergreens uh, as an immigrant tree, if it's part of all that's going wrong, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Um, you just deal with that like with any immigrants. It just becomes part of the whole thing. But don't go all evergreen. There's all the benefits of the pinings and all the enzymes that come from the evergreens. But it's through having, if you have the oaks, you have the birch, which is a foundation tree to found, that's a foundation of a forest. Allow these things to be naturally, your hawthorns, holly, blackthorns, um, it's good to have them around as well as the pines because I, there is a bit of science about this. It's a lot to do with the underground, the roots, and the uh, the provision of fungi that actually enhances the performance of the evergreens. So it's all part of uh, a biodiverse landscape is what we're really shooting for. And that's something you should shoot for when you've got your own little bit of land uh, that you're working with. Or if you're in an apartment, read about this on the usandtrees.com. If you're in an apartment, get together with a group of people somewhere, a community that's doing planting or caring. In Ireland, we have the Native Woodland Trust, for instance, that have volunteer work at the weekends. That's true. You should have something locally to where you live. Uh, but now, uh, as I say, i ask some questions here from John. Uh, think of any questions that you've got be before we finish up here. Uh, be generous of this. And uh, who, who have you really, are you working on trees, even putting, some people have been saying to me, oh, I put my first oak in today, I put my first ash in today. So I'm going to bring uh, John up here. Uh, so fire away, just don't be shy, ask some questions here uh, from John. And uh, and he might be, he'd probably be able to relate to with his, uh, the nomadic work uh, and walking around. So Give a couple of minutes on questions. I haven't come uh, any haven't come up uh, yet, so I'm certainly looking forward to what uh, he, he done. And like some of the things that John was saying in this conversation is the tapping of uh, the 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 birch. The birch is wonderful for the birch water. Uh, you can do the same yeah, if you've got. Warmed. Yeah. Uh, let's see if we got a question here. Um, here we go. Mother is such a, an intricate, beautiful soul. And that's that's a very good reason why we got to keep that passion. Uh, and now we were talking, I was talking about pines and that. Uh, have you been throwing pines in with what you've been doing, uh, John? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. I plant all trees. I think it's just if you have, like we were saying, a monoculture isn't really the answer yeah. to anything. You know, if you have a mix, no forest, if it's left to its own, will uh, will be just one tree, one type of. 
and it won't all just fall down at one time. So forests are living and continue to live and they, you know, they help each other. So yeah, I've planted pines. So we're planting because the bogs are um, surrounding where we are here. So we're I'm planting out there at the moment, just see how they go. So Scott's pine seed, acorns that were meant for the schools and willow cuttings. And then the birch will blow into it anyway. So it kind of regenerates itself. But um, And then you have, um, like everything isn't as simple as, you know, you have rodents digging up acorns. Like we were saying earlier on when the, the lads were here, hares sometimes cut the trees. You have deers, you have, um, you know, it isn't one line. Nature isn't a line. It's a circle and there's many creatures and different insects and different bacterias and funguses and it all works together. It all connects together and, you know, it's like the, the great um, mycelium network under the ground that people may know of where the trees are actually mm -hmm. communicating and talking to each other and helping each other and feeding each other if they need medicine, they give each other medicine and you know, like we can we can be like the trees or the trees are, you know, we're all connected and we can all help each other. And it's not it's not a big, huge, you know, we can all do something. You well, might one have question COVID and... <laughs> uh, the one question that came up, of course, we don't have much experience of this in Ireland. Nearest I've had is I did live in Florida a while about... Uh, a desert. Now, I, the uh, example I know, and Howard, who's on board, he'll be familiar with this, is the, the sand dunes in uh, Moray in Scotland. That'd be the closest I've known to a desert. And uh, interestingly, what they've done in the desert, they put, um, in one area, they put pines uh, to stop the sand blowing. But the one thing that happened, our favorite, our pioneering tree, the birch, that came along. And that established itself. And once the birch got established in those sand dunes, in the sand that's like a desert, everything else came just by nature. Uh, suddenly the holly arrived yeah. and the hawthorn arrived. And uh, yeah. so I would say in a desert, find a, uh, find a birch that's going to work with you because as soon as a birch uh, arrives, everything else says, ah, they're here, let's, let's join the birch. So that's how I answer that one together. anyway. Yeah, one we were in the trees, in the, uh, on the walk, one of the stories used to tell, this is um, in Africa, the desert from the, you know, the, you'd have sandstorms and the sandstorms were coming in and t covering the houses of the villages, these native villages. So they planted um, eucalyptus. Eucalyptus are like the hazel here, and the roots will go like I don't know, real, really deep down into the ground, and will, they will find water, even in a desert. And the eucalyptus established, and like that, then other trees came. But that's what they actually used. These, um, they they had a, a council in a little hut, I'm sure, a circular hut as they are, and they decided to try and protect their village because they didn't want to have to move. They lived there for so long, and um. So that's what they planted in the desert, eucalyptus. And then of once course, you establish yeah, that, they, they bring the nutrients and the moisture up from deep down, like nettles work here. They bring the metals from underneath the ground or the roots of the trees. They bring the moisture up to the top layers, and other plants then can survive on that. And 
one thing leads to another, and next thing you have a forest, and that holds the sand back. Yeah. Now, the one thing uh, with the birch, uh, and this will answer the next question here from Robin, uh, do you plant my mycelium? You put, you got birch in there, and the mycelium arrives. It, it just arrives, and I noticed that here in the tree labyrinth, uh, that we didn't put any fungi underground. It's just there. It's dormant. Yeah. And we got an incredible yeah, collection of fungi that comes out. So you don't need to throw in the end, yeah. uh, Robin. It's just part of the bio. No. If you've got biodiversity there, it's going to be there. The same with lichen, lichen. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, John, over to you with uh, that one, John. Yeah, I agree. Like I see here, like I, I got this where I live. We have seven or eight acres and I got it just for trees, not for a house or anything. And then the children arrived and we did up the house. But so the back field, we call it, is all planted where there was one willow tree there. Now it's all covered in trees, all varieties. Mm -hmm. And then um, my friends who come here and they know a bit more about the mushrooms that grow from the mycelium to show you what it is underground. But there's a variety of edible mushrooms out there now. So it's within yeah. the trees or it's in the air, spores. Flow. I think it's in the air, yes. And also in the... And it'll be in the poop of all the different mammals and the birds. It, it just comes... It just arrives. It's almost like a pond. How does a fish get into a new pond? You put a pond into the garden, some yeah. reason fish are fine. They find it, <laughs> as well as the frogs and newts. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's one of those yeah. beauties of nature. Uh, that we don't really need to worry about. Uh, it's provided and it's there. Now, there was someone else came up with something uh, that was interesting. Howard, uh, native trees, bushes to plant in field. In Roscommon, we have electric, uh, can't grow too high. Uh, I think my answer to that is I would, uh, if you got, well, if you're going to, if they go too high, unfortunately, the ESB is going to come along and chop the whole damn thing down. I think the best thing you can do is the closest the hedge in coppicing, uh, all the uh, yes. hazel even, and keep them coppice, yeah. keep them low, and with a bit of luck, ESB won't know about it, and they won't chop it down. But that's my suggestion for yeah. that. That's, uh, uh, that's an awkward yeah. one. There are quite a lot. You can uh, yeah. spindle and gelder rose, oh, hazel, yes. hawthorn, and um, ones that don't grow up to the sky. Anyway, yeah. but like that, you know, if you if you cut them back, coppice, that's what we do here. Like the ESB yeah. arrive here, and I just tell the lads, look, I do it myself, rather than yes, you know, it take is. It too and much. Of course, the the coppicing is handy too because it gives us material for stuff. So it's yeah. a great thing. It depends to do. where you and are. You, don't... And you might and, need to uh, work out: Are you in wetland, bog? Uh, Yes. What soil type? Generally, you would look to what's growing there already. Holly will be one that doesn't grow too high. Native, lovely. No. <laughs> um, you know, so I I usually yeah. go like I can tell by looking at the soil. But I mean, some people, if you just look at what grows there now, you could grow willow and you can cut it back and it'll grow again and again, as long as it's not in the shade. Being rough common, be it's bound to be it's bound to be boggy. So I'd go straight for the order and willow because 
in this tree labyrinth yeah. I'm in now. It was a bog. You couldn't even walk in it. Uh, but there's this willow yeah. can here, and we've got lots of water. It drank all the water, and now you can walk around the whole thing all year round. And because it's drained, we've got oaks, we've got ashes, we've got apple trees, uh, berries. Uh, yeah. The whole works is in here. But you need those foundation trees to take that water away. And, of course, the again, the birch uh, is great. And anyone else on it? We're, we're pretty much – I'm going into overtime now. So I think I can say uh, thanks very much, uh, John. Uh, and keep in touch with me so we can pass on what you're doing because it's fabulous the work you've done. And I'm so pleased that we've we've made this link anyway. And all thanks to Sarah, Sarah Humble, who yeah. was it Sarah who asked you to contact me in the first place? Yeah, yeah, she sent me a message. Oh, great. So <laughs> yeah. Uh we're gonna be talking a lot about Sarah next week, and I'm just gonna go on to talk about that in a moment. So thanks very much, John. I hope we'll see you. Hope we see you, you. Actually, see you outside of the COVID uh, stuff. Uh, it's been very great. Yeah, well, I, very I, helpful. Yeah. No problem. So, uh, thanks very much. Thanks, Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, fabulous! So uh, that was uh, John Conlon. Hi, Jackie. Uh, we got Jackie here. Uh, she was watching John, and uh, there's a clap from Jackie there. Thank you. Absolutely wonderful. Now uh, I go on to the meat and potatoes of this because uh, these Sunday sessions, they are brought to you. We've got subscribers here today. But just to remind you that uh, uh, it's our Patreon subscribers that enable me to pay the subscriptions I pay for playing with the toys uh, so I can give you the presentations of videos, guests, and, and so forth. But thank you for your constant support because without that uh, – Without our subscribers, I wouldn't be here this afternoon hosting this. So um, uh, the uh, the course that you'll all get free is getting developed. But if you can subscribe, it's only a euro, dollar, or a pound per month, uh, or whatever you like. And there's the link uh, to that. Thanks uh, for helping your support on that. Now, coming up on Sunday sessions, as I say, I was going to talk about Sarah. Uh, she'll be back uh, next week. This is going to be Trees in Folklore. Uh, trees in Water Folklore, and I'm trying to get a, a representative picture up for you. To There we go. I love this well here. Uh, there you go. Um, gee, I forget where that is now. Uh, someone might be able to tell me. Uh, it's an old one. Anyway, that gives a sense of the idea. Trees uh, in Folklore. It's bringing that whole she uh, and fairy folklore of the water into the trees. Uh, and we will have Sarah, uh, who returns... Hopefully, with her, the websiting partner, Seamus Dreadle. I hope I got that right, Dreadle. Uh, they've been developing the Fairy Council website uh, over the recent weeks. And uh, the Fairy Council, it might seem like a cheesy name if you first hear it, but when you hear or read about how it came about, uh, that, <laughs> it was actually, it's actually a very funny story. It started as a joke. Uh, there was an... That said as an answer to what I gather was a silly question that was put to one or the other of them. But if it's fast became, it, they took hold of it, ran with it, and it's becoming a terrific hub, fairycouncil.ie. And it's a hub for water and tree folklore, also for the bards as well. Uh, the wisdom is it's amazing. And then through April and May anyway, that's the transition one next week between our trees to the folklore. Because April and May... 
we're going to go a lot more into the she folklore, especially in relation to the new fresh spring and the early summer gardens. And then on the 4th of April, this is Easter, and we'll do the same as we did in Easter last year. It's uh, Resurrection and the Three Trees. And uh, the three trees, each spelled T-R-A-I, a pronounced tree. They're the three strains of the ancient bard that I bring about as a reference, not only for the bards, but of lifestyle. And I'll present them as lifestyle that's been perhaps inspired, you know, in, been inspired, it might have inspired you from nature's folklore. Uh, and then we move on to the serious stuff on uh, 11th of April after that, when it's the return of um, discovering the she. And uh, my picture for that has not come up. Uh, never mind. Uh, but that, uh, the um, discovering the she last year, that was one of our most popular Sunday sessions ever. Uh, and it was one of our new ones. Uh, but the one thing that's uh, very important after what's being said today, uh, and I hope after you leave this, uh, you'll go away with that thought and with that uh, passion. So let's uh, have a look at the, uh, the words that you're saying here. Uh, Robin Shepherd, I read the Fairy Council's website, so very impressive. And it's building up really quickly. And, of course, um, uh, Ali Isaac's on that, so no wonder you got to that one. Uh, I think we're going up on it either this week or next week, so that'll be wonderful amongst the collection. But it's a wonderful resource. And I, from what Sarah was saying, there's about 300 different resources going up very, very soon. It takes time, I know, as we know with the weather. Love your work. We study forest bathing. This is so in touch with the spirit. Uh, that's from Candice. Thanks very much. Who was John? Best I can say with that, uh, uh, Jack is, go back to the archive. Uh, he was on quite a while. Uh, he uh, runs Tree Walk uh, that has been operating in Ireland uh, for over 30 years. And um, it's uh, just a nomadic group. And if you will get the pictures, you'll get the story. So if you go back to the beginning at the end of the show, you are able to get the full story better than I can repeat in a, a minute or two. So I'm, I, I trust you'll enjoy that. And uh, there's uh, uh, Stephanie Alexander, good. Uh, Let's see anybody else here. Howard, very boggy field, has just had drains. Yeah, we were saying, Howard, get uh, get those orders and uh, hazel willow in there, and they'll drink it all up, uh, especially the willows. And, and they also get the birches. They'll be handy even for the tapping. Uh, it's fabulous. So uh, I think we've caught up uh, with all. Yes, Ali Isaac. Uh, I hope we can get her on board in the Sunday session sometime. Um, so, yes, we've got to get her on. I've got to find an excuse to get Ali on. I haven't contacted her for a while, but she'd be a lovely speaker on this. So we will uh, do our best because the one thing we're going to find with the Tree Council is, <laughs> thank you uh, for doing this, uh, Sarah, is I'll be going there and saying, hmm, who have we got for a guest? I'll go to the Tree Council and start messaging and calling up people there. So thank you again to our amazing uh, guest today, uh, uh, John Crossan, if you're uh, coming on now, go back to the archive in a moment and go through and you get John's whole presentation and the pictures. Wonderful to do. Uh, so, I'd, of course, I'd, if you're 
watching this uh, after it's live, maybe this evening, tomorrow. A lot of people watch this later on as an archive. Keep commenting. I do come back and I do answer the comments. It's not just live now. Uh, subscribe, click the bell icons on YouTube and Facebook to be reminded of the details of the following Sunday sessions. And so it's uh, really time for me to enjoy a safe week uh, that's full of wonder, inspiration, and enchantments. And it's been lovely being with you, lovely uh, being with uh, John. Um, and we'll keep in touch and follow up uh, with Tree Week and the work, uh, Tree Walk and the work they're doing. So uh, until next Sunday, it's me signing off now, asking you to play well, be safe, and uh, bye. <laughs>